What's up, competitors? On this brand new episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast, we welcome to the show professional dog musher Catherine Keith to share how we can build our grit in everyday life. Hey, competitors, welcome back to the Compete Everyday Podcast. My name's Jake Thompson. Thank you for bearing with me as I still sound like the complete crap after dealing with the flu this past week. But enough about me. I'm excited to welcome into the show a professional dog musher, Catherine Keith, who lives in Alaska and tells her story of survival and her search for meaning up in the north. Now, if you're like me, you grew up with the Disney film Iron Will. And I remember watching the Disney movies and seeing the dog mushers and thinking, man, what a wild experience. And today I had the just absolute pleasure to talk to Catherine about her journey into dog mushing. What's it's like? And most of all, what's the mental side like? You know, you're, you're out on the trail, you're working, you're, you're pursuing these thousand uh, mile races and you can't just quit. It's not like you can just pull over on the side of the road and have somebody come pick you up. And so Catherine talks about how those tough experiences help build her grit, how things in her everyday life have challenged her to help build her grit, and most importantly, what are the things that we can do in Texas, in California, in New York, in Ohio, where we're not dog mushing? What are the things that we can do to build our grit on a day-to-day basis so when we get in the most challenging of situations, we are able to call on that grit? It's not something we're just naturally born with. It's not something we can snap our fingers and just have. It's something we build every single day with the choices we make. And so Catherine and I get into that conversation today, and I hope that you walk away not only encouraged on ways that you can build your grit, but maybe just interested in checking out her book or her wilderness wellness retreats that she's preparing to start launching this summer. As always, to support the Compete Everyday podcast, you can do one of two things this week that I would be forever grateful for. One would be to place an order at CompeteEveryday.com using the code PODCAST to get 15% off any order. Those orders using that code help support the show, keeps my cup of coffee filled or my cup uh, can of LaCroix, I should stay, while I'm doing all these fantastic interviews with guests and sharing this content with you. The other thing that helps us just as much is sharing this episode, sharing it on social media, sending it to a friend introducing someone new to the Compete Everyday podcast and community. We are airing this at the end of February, which means we are shooting along in 2020. We have some exciting things on the horizon for those in our Facebook community, instead of including our cold, ice cold shower challenge for the month of March. My first book, Compete Every Day, The Seven Things Leaders Do Differently to Win at Work in Life, is scheduled to release in just a few months, as well as my second book and journal is in production called Win the Next Possession. That's right, Win the Next Possession. It's a daily focus point to help you start winning the next possession in your work, your workouts, and your life. How do you bring your best self to every situation using the lessons from your past instead of living there? So be on the lookout for all of those things. We'll be announcing them in our free Facebook community, on our email newsletter, and of course here at the Compete Everyday Podcast. Final note, new episodes have relaunched for raising competitors. So if you are the parent of a youth sports athlete, if you have a kid, a friend who has a kid that plays youth sports, please share with them Raising Competitors Podcast. You can find it as well as all episodes of the Compete Everyday Podcast at podcast.competeeveryday.com. Now, without further ado, I'm excited to welcome to the show, Catherine Keith. Hey, 
Catherine, welcome to the Compete Everyday Podcast. Thanks, Jake, for having me on. I, I have to say, this is the first conversation I've had with a musher. Is that the correct terminology for, for your chosen line of work? It is. You can certainly call me a dog musher. <laughs> I love it. I, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. I obviously grew up watching the Disney films and, and features on it, but living here in Texas, it's not something we do very often um, or at all. And so I'm excited about this conversation just from the physical and mental challenges that I know you've endured and overcome. Uh, but before we dive into a little bit of your work and, and book and story, can you give our listeners just a, a snapshot of who you are uh, and a little bit about yourself? And then I'm, I'm excited to dive in and share more of your story. Absolutely. Well, right now I live in Alaska above the Arctic Circle on the West Coast. It's about 30 below zero right now, and that's been typical for this winter, I have to say. Professionally, I do a variety of things to keep busy, uh, which we have to do up here. I'm an engineer, a consultant. I manage all sorts of projects. I'm a commercial fisherman. I just launched my first book, Epic Solitude, and what I really love to do is run dogs. I run the Iditarod, which is a thousand mile dog sled race from Anchorage to Nome. I run the Yukon Quest, which goes from uh, White Horse to Fairbanks, also a thousand miles. I'm a mother to a 16-year-old girl, Amelia, and yeah, I have, I have a great time. Yeah, okay, so a thousand miles. How long does that take you to achieve? The race itself lasts anywhere between uh, eight to 13 days, technically. For me, it takes about nine days. Nine days. Wow. Okay. And so you're moving, you and your team are moving. How, how many hours a day? We average 100 miles a day, and that can take moving um, anywhere from, you know, 10, say 10 to 12 hours. But that means we are moving 24 hours a day though. The dogs get to rest in between then, you know, probably eight hours a day. Myself as the musher, I might sleep for three hours of that because my time is then devoted to caring for the dogs, you know, feeding them, massaging them, putting booties on their feet, massaging their feet. There's a lot that goes into it um, beyond just being on the runners. Um, so it's, it, it keeps, uh, it really gets you working for those, you know, nine or 10 days on the trail. Yeah. And, and, and I should mention, you know, while we're out there for that one week working for that thousand miles, it is a year round occupation. Getting yeah, up to that. Well, place. <laughs> I mean, I, I think about friends that have done Ironmans and, and, you know, are competitive in some of those sports and the amount of training that goes into that. This obviously you're going such greater distances. You've got the dogs, so I mean it's it's a year-round training and development process. I'm curious. Take me back. What what inspired you to get into this in the first place? Since I was a young kid, um, like yourself, I watched some of those movies. I read all of the books, and I knew that was something I wanted to do. 
Growing up in Minnesota, I had two amazing explorers come to my school, Will Steger and Ann Bancroft. They went to the North Pole uh, via dog team. And Ann was the first woman to go to the North Pole. From that moment on, that was what I was gonna do. So yeah, it took till I was about 21 to get to Alaska to reach uh, that beginning of my goal. But I have yet to make it to the North Pole, but they still are my idols. I, I, I wanna be them one day. <laughs> How, oh, take me back yet. to that first race. <laughs> Like what was what was that first race like? Because obviously, I, I would imagine there's nerves, but you're out in in dangerous, somewhat dangerous conditions. You're traveling. You you've got the dogs, but you're relatively alone. What is that like from a mental perspective, especially as you get going and some of that adrenaline starts to fade? The first race of mine was the Kobuk 440, which leaves. Kotzebue, which is above the Arctic Circle and ends there as well. It's 440 miles and is about um, four days long. And it was, it was amazingly challenging. Yet it was also this brilliant adventure and exactly what I hoped for. I made numerous mistakes and it was uh, a, a grand adventure. The thing is, the most most challenging part of the race is also the always the greatest um, uh, opportunity for beauty on the trail. Uh, for example, there was a time on the trail leaving a checkpoint from Ambler that I remember it was very cold, you know, 35 below, and I didn't have much deep cold racing or experience. And I'm traveling out there very, you know, frozen fingertips, not frozen, but very cold. And trying to sort out the dogs with, uh, you know, tangled up harnesses. Tired, hadn't slept for two and a half days. And I look up and the sky is just dancing on fire with northern lights. And the stars are out. And if anyone's seen the northern lights and seen a deep uh, dark sky uh, peckered with stars uh, the moon is out but yet it's dark enough you can see everything I mean it was just stunning so no matter how tired and how fatigued you get you can still always appreciate the beauty so that was really what the first race for me was about it was learning to appreciate how tired you can get while also appreciating the beauty and that to me is what dog mushing is all about Every single race is like that. You know, one of the things I find interesting about this, and, and one of the things that we briefly touched on before we got on the air, is is the importance of grit. And from a mental perspective, this sport requires grit. Not only do you have to have the passion for it, but it, it takes a special mindset and attitude to push through, to persevere, to continue to grow in it. How do you, or how did you, let me ask, develop and start to build your grit growing up in a way that positioned you for this? What are the things, do you remember the challenges you faced maybe as a kid or as a young adult that, that helped you prepare for this, for the mental side of this? My first real awareness of the importance of grit was 
on the Pacific Crest Trail. Um, I hiked that when I was 18, but that was hardcore grit generation for me. Before that, I, I knew what it was, but I didn't have a hard word for it until that point. But there were moments on that trail that I would scream out loud um, for some of the things that had gone wrong in my life. And it's similar um, out on the Iditarod or um, anytime that I'm out there on the trail when life really just collides in on itself when you get to that breaking point. And that's when I've identified you really need to have grit in your life as whether you're at work on a desk or you've had a relationship that you've been uh, that just broke up or whether you're running a 5k and you haven't slept all night and you just can't take another step it's that's when you know your past comes up to haunt you you're gonna feel like you have a weak soul you know you you feel like you're out of control with things and for me back on the Pacific Crest Trail I just had to take one step in front of the other and I just had to keep going on down the trail. And it's through that process I learned how to manage my life and, uh, and then just had to keep taking one step at a time. And I've continued to do that in my life and that's helped me to generate grit in that capacity. And it, that sounds simple, but it's just one part of generating grit, but I think it's a really key um, component of it. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Would you say that being on those races and, and being in some of those situations where, I mean, you can't just like on a race, you can't just sit down on the side and suddenly walk off to the side. Like you have to get to checkpoints. You have to get to certain locations. Do you think putting yourself in that position best helps you build that grit to where you are forced to put one foot in front of the other uh, because you couldn't just sit out there? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it forced me without a doubt to keep going. That being said, I have pulled over to the side of the trail and just sat there for sometimes for a few hours. And I just, I just was flummoxed. I had no idea what to do. I had no idea how I could keep going. I was at such horrifyingly bad points, that breaking point multiple times that I didn't even understand how I could move forward or why. So I am very, very familiar with that breaking point. What did you but do? after sitting there. Yeah, I was about to say, what did you take me back to that? What did you do in that moment when you're just sitting there for a few hours of like, I can't do this? Yeah. Um, there's been a couple different ways. At one point, out on the trail and in a dog race, I had a dog come and lick me on my face. <laughs> and that lick on my face helped me think, okay, yeah, I, it, I have someone else to take care of here. It's not just me out here. I have someone else that loves me. And so that's one example of having other people in your life out there and re remembering, you know, there are other people around you that you need to take care of and something larger than yourself that helps you get through your breaking point. So that's one way to help generate grit is remembering to get through that breaking point is looking outside yourself 
So that one lick on my face, that's, that's what it took to get me out from a really bad place of hypothermia laying in the snow and being very cold. Um, yeah, and I, I appreciate you saying that because of the importance of having that purpose, that mission, that, that focus of something bigger than yourself, which sounds very much in the, in the mindset of the importance of gratitude. It's, it's getting your eyes and your mindset off of almost the selfishness that we all naturally have, our natural tendency in the moment, and looking at the ones you're trying to help, you're trying to serve, that you need to protect, which it sounds like gratitude because of that, because of nature and the dogs is, is a huge piece in your life. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, well tell us. Correct. Tell us a little bit about your first book, Epic Solitude. I know you mentioned it. I know it's, it's an exciting story, but I'm curious why you decided to write it. Because a lot of people talk about writing books. I, I know from personal experience, we can put those stories off and those things that we, we talk about wanting to share. But you put it into action. You wrote it. You're sharing it now. What inspired you to write the book? One of the reasons for writing this book, uh, it's a memoir, is to help remind us how important it is to fully engage with life. Um, I want to help people to say yes to all aspects of living. Uh, when people get a chance to read the book, and hopefully you'll read the book, uh, you'll see that there are um, moments of loss and trauma throughout the book, and it oscillates between these you know, epic adventures, and then moments of raw life. And it doesn't go um, sequentially, but it has snippets and is intended to provide this more of an emotional experience. Because when we are hit with loss, a lot of us start and we have a state of shock that we're in. But sometimes this extends for a long period of time where we stay numb for years or we're hurt yeah. for years. And that's why I feel having the grit is important because we have to be able to fight our way back to the surface and start living again. For me, I um, initially used triathlons as a way to start living again. I always sought out nature and wilderness to do that again. And then the dog races helped me, but everybody has to find their own path. So Epic Solitude was my way to start giving back and to reach out to others to help find a path of their own to start fighting and, and living again. And it might not be a big loss or uh, grief, but everyone has grief, I should say, whether it's from relationships, from work, from losing a grandmother, from, from numerous things, from the loss of a, um, from a pet. It affects everybody. Well, tell me uh, along those lines, without giving away too much of the book, what is one of the first things that you recommend for people listening that, you know, they're starting to hear those little voices in their head with, like, I can't relate to her story. She, she does these Iditarod. She's a musher. Like, I live here in, in the South, or I live in California. I'm not doing that type of stuff. How am I supposed to build my grip? What are, what are some of the things that you recommend and encourage people at least initially to start doing to build that grip? That's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. I hear often feedback that 
it's hard to relate to her life because she's in Alaska and it's so different up there. However, there are so many commonalities with life in general, and there are many ways that people can develop grit. Um, physical grit is one of the easiest that I, um, everyone can understand what it's like to feel discomfort physically. If you go out and run a mile, if you're not in shape, immediately you're gonna be able to experience discomfort and you'll have to sit through that. You'll have to manage your pain, you'll have to breathe through it. But when you get to the other side of that and you don't quit, you know, you um, tolerate it and then you have get on the other side of that, you have confidence, the inner knowing, you're going to then have the greater grit. So that's a simple example, um, but you can do that to larger and larger scales as you um, grow your tolerance for that distress. Um, however, like you can muscle. do that. Exactly. Yeah. Just like growing a, an actual muscle, you need to grow your grip muscle. You have to increase the number of grip points in your purse. <laughs> I love it. I love but you it. Can well, do that go ahead. Emotional as well. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the one thing that you said that I, I was where I was hoping you were going with it is the importance of anyone listening that we, we've reiterated it time and time again on this show, but it always helps just to take it home is that our grit, mental, physical grit is not something you're just naturally born with. It's something you have to develop. You have to build over time. You've got to put yourself in those situations, just like you just shared. It, it's something that we can do. It's just something we, we need to do because it usually we, we don't get to these moments and suddenly we're able to call on grit and it just magically appears. It's the results of the things that we've done prior to those moments to best prepare us for it. Exactly. So, and well, go ahead. So emotional grit, and these are things that we want to move forward with cautiously because for some people, um, if there's emotional instability because you're dealing with a lot of trauma yourself, you have to do this lightly. But for example, if you have uh, a song that triggers memories of a lost one, you can listen to the song and that's going to bring up a you know, well of emotions. Um, I, can I can listen to a song and it'll immediately make me start crying or it'll it'll bring up that we all know this feeling you could turn on this song one song comes on the radio and it hits you at this gut level but if you purposely listen to that song and you sit in a place and you just listen to it and then through the same process you just sit through it you manage it you breathe through it and then you walk away you know and you you manage it, you walk away, and then you just let go, and then you, you did it, you know, you, you have that confidence that you know you managed it, and then you moved on with your life, you know, you can put it behind you. Now you have that confidence, and you have, you've increased your tolerance, and I think that's another easy example of how you can increase your grit, and it's important because you're going to get hit with that song regardless you're going to hear it on radio but now you've purposefully created that grit so that when it does you've already developed 
you know, a buffer for yourself. Absolutely. And doing this, you know, in a safe manner is important um, because not all people can do this without, um, you have to, you know, without triggering deeper emotional problems. But, you know, if, if you feel safe with where you're at, I think that tools like that can help. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and along those lines, I, I know you shared a little bit that you're in the process of developing some actual workshops to help people. I believe they're called the Find Wilderness, Find Wellness, with the idea of getting people out into the wild, but really helping them build their grit and mental capacity. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I know you're still putting it together, but would love to at least tease it with our listeners. Absolutely. So, the exciting thing about nature, obviously I'm a big uh, lover of wilderness. There are so many studies coming out over the last 10 years that have scientifically proven that spending time in nature improves your health, uh, measured by cortisol, blood pressure, your sympathetic and parasympathetic nerve activity, and countless other markers. And they've gone so far as to say that you need over 120 minutes a week to realize those health benefits. The ultimate uh, time is 200 to 300 minutes, but the minimum time is that 120 minutes. And I could go on spouting many other facts, but putting that time in nature together with the importance of generating grit, creating scenarios to generate grit, um, these workshops will help uh, put them, uh, those two things together. And I'll be um, offering them in late spring, uh, early summer. Awesome. Awesome. And where can we go to find out more about that? My website is katherinekeith.com. And there's a link there with some um, basic information to start off with. And there'll be uh, more coming. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Catherine, where can, I know you've got your website, you're on social media as well. For anybody listening to the show that wants to learn more, obviously we're going to be linking to your book. We're going to link to your website so that as they're listening to this, they can stay in the loop on your uh, wilderness wellness retreats. Where can they find you and connect with you on social? So um, on Facebook, you can find me at Epic Solitude. And you can find me on Instagram at Catherine.Keith. Awesome. Well, we were going to link. And Twitter is Cat Keith. Twitter is Cat Keith. Okay. So everyone listening, we're going to link to all of this in the show notes. Uh, I'm going to highly recommend her book, Epic Solitude, uh, just not only for the adventure in the story, but how you built your grit, Catherine, and, and obviously this great information you've shared with our listeners. And for people that are very much intrigued by these retreats, I want you to check out, shoot her a note, get on her website, uh, say hi, connect with her on social media, and look for opportunities so that you can attend. Catherine, this has been an absolute blast. Thank you so much for joining the Compete Podcast. Thanks, and stay warm down there. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To get in touch with me or the show, email us at podcast at competeeveryday.com. To join our free Facebook community and get connected with other ambitious leaders working to win their work, their workouts, and their life, 
be sure to visit us at facebook.com slash groups slash compete every day. Until the next episode, keep competing every single day because your life is worth it.